Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. With me as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, September 21st, and today we're going to start by talking about the Ackman Carl Icahn Herbalife drama, and then we'll talk about some big recent premiums in the pharma space. Uh, so Chris, let's start with the Ackman Icon fight. Uh, the reason we're bringing it up is Fortune put out an article uh, titled Inside Wall Street's Greatest Feud, Icon vs. Ackman. And this feud actually dates all the way back to 2003, but most over the past couple of years, it's mainly been related to their fight over Herbalife, which uh, Icon owns about 20% of, and At- Bill Ackman is famously very short. He's called it a Ponzi scheme. He's bet about a billion dollars against it. We talked about it a little bit on our March 10th podcast. If you want some more background, you can listen to that. Uh, but the most recent fight, it kind of started a couple weeks ago. Basically, Icon called up uh, the investment bank Jefferies and asked them, hey, I own a big stake in this company. Will you call around and see if anyone will buy my shares? And Jefferies actually called Bill Ackman in to see if he wanted to buy any of those shares, which would help cancel out a short. When you short a company, you sell it hoping it goes down and you can buy it back later. So this would have bought back some of his shorts. Uh, so Ackman was approached. Eventually, word got out that uh, Icon was looking to sell his shares, and Ackman commented and said, of course he's looking to sell his shares, he's made a nice trade, but this thing's worthless, of course he wants to get out. Icon took kind of offense at that, so in response, the market had dropped on rumors that he was going to sell, so instead of selling, he actually went out and bought more shares, said Bill Ackman has no clue how I think, and he's gone out and said, hey, I might even buy more shares, or I might even buy the whole company. So I've talked a lot, we can go anywhere you want, dive into the feud, dive into Herbalife, anything in between, where do you want to start? Well, my first two reactions to this article, it was a great article. It was well-researched. I think a lot of the assertions were true. I think a lot of the uh, disavowals were indirect and limited uh, and technicalities, such as uh, much of the activity of selling big blocks hasn't happened until it's happened. So you can disavow that there was a trade or intent to trade, even if it was clear that there, there was. And, and Ackman even points this out in the article. Icon says, I never gave Jeffries an order to sell my shares. And I, Ackman even says, look, he didn't give them an order, but it, the way a big block works is you go and canvas the market to see if anyone will buy it. So mm-hmm. not an order, you just look for interest. Go that, ahead. that was parsing. I think, I think my big reaction to the article, uh, twofold, was this shows that there are lots of good reasons to not disclose investments whenever it's possible to be anonymous, especially with shorts. And then secondly, there are lots of good reasons to be much smaller than this in the market. You can be uh, nimble, uh, you can uh, react more easily to price cues, and that it really is very constraining if you, as hopefully everybody does, but certainly I do, want to be strategic in all things, but also robotically honest in all things. Once you're huge and short, especially, uh, and illiquidly large and public, I think it's very hard. You become a uh, promoter or attacker. You have to kind of stay on message all the time. And I think both of these guys are so, so stuck with it. You know, when the, the, what the old, uh, when people say bucket shops, it referred to uh, uh, brokerages that didn't really trade. They just would have a bucket and have kind of side bets. These two guys should have just done a side bet early on. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, being huge and having to disclose your things to the market. Like the, the stock dropped pretty significantly on the rumor that Carl Icahn was selling out because people thought, hey, the person who knows the most about them, their most public supporter, he's got five members, five of 
five people kind of related to him on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. If he's selling out, that's such a bad sign for the business. And conversely, if Ackman was buying shares, I bet Herbalife shares would race because it would be a sign of Ackman throwing in the towel on his short. And people would say, hey, the danger is gone. This company, it's clear sailing from here. Go ahead. Uh, Icon is a poker player, a good poker player. According to him, he's my only source on his <laughs> skill at it. I assume it's true. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe this was kind of a long con. Maybe he really uh, was was doing this in order to uh, get bigger. Uh, I don't know. I do think a lot of the long activity, especially looking at some of the other participants, uh, Bob Chapman, uh, for example, um, uh, were people who were really playing the man against Ackman. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it, it is interesting to think if you wanted to buy shares of a stock, you could get it a little bit cheaper just by tweeting out and saying. Uh, I can I consider owning this. I'm thinking about selling and then watch the price go down and you could buy into it. But I, I think you're exactly right. And Icon even said this in the article. He was like, look, I think right now people are valuing Herbalife. It's not necessarily trading on fundamentals. It's trading on the battle between Ackman and Icon. And if I kind of stepped away from this, it could trade on its fundamental value, which I think is a lot higher. Now, there's a lot of kind of twisted reason and logic in that where I'm willing to sell shares at 60 and I think the fundamental value is 90 or 100. So people should buy it for me so it trade to that. But you can understand what he's saying if the stock's going to move this much in response to the headlines of him and Ackman. Yeah, I would also add um, that Ackman... You know, in the article, when he's kind of describing what it is that I kind of want to do, I always find that in these kind of uh, situations, if you want to have it extractable, uh, that characterizing the other person's intent always goes down this rabbit hole of then that becoming Mm -hmm. the topic. It's almost never a good tact, Uh, or at least it can be one that's problematic. And I think here, uh, and I quite like Ackman also actually, but people do sometimes really want to root against him. And there's aspects to his persona that I think exacerbates that. Yep. Yep. So uh, let's see anything else to talk about here. Herbalife is just not the kind of thing I'm not short or long, um, but it's not an, obvious valuation case X the accusations that Ackman's thrown against it which really it's not something that is clearly worth much much less and then it has these events to push it over I think it's a bit of a brainer in terms of which direction yeah so I agree with you so I've got some so Herbalife if you were just looking at it and you gave me Herbalife's stats and ignored the business model just say is this a buy or not I would say yes absolutely it trades at about 12 times forward earnings, 8 to 9 times EV to EBITDA. So it's cheap on the face of it. It's growing a little bit. It throws off tons of cash flow because this is not a capital intensive business. So on the one hand, it's cheap. But on the other hand, you know, in July, part of, uh, part of the icon thing was they just announced the settlement with the FTC. And the FTC basically declared them a Ponzi scheme. And Herbalife basically said, look, the FTC is not shutting us down. We're making all these uh, improvements to our business based on the settlement. We're not a Ponzi scheme. It's business as usual. And buying the stock at these levels is basically saying what the company's saying. These changes the FTC made them make is not going to impact the business. And it's very difficult to know that, understand that, see what's going to happen. If these changes have as big of an impact as Ackman is predicting, look, it very well could destroy the U.S. business if it is what Ackman's saying, a Ponzi scheme. If not, the shares are too cheap, but you really need to kind of take a bet there. And that's a difficult bet to make without uh, 
a lot of due diligence into how their customers are responding, how their members and their selling members are responding to these FTC charges. Really tough to get a hold of. Go ahead. You know, um, I think uh, all, all, all good points. Um, the only other thing I was going to add to this was that if you, if you are the one looking at this kind of situation and trying to shop a big block and your broker really, instead of being as careful as they can with the price, really is using your situation to the advantage of the counterparty that mm-hmm. might be a better client or, you know, that it becomes that it's getting kind of leaked out intentionally or sloppily. Taking the other side of the trade in the process is like a great tactic. I would never kind of intend to exploit it, but if the if, if the actions uh, create the opportunity, I think it's something totally are, legitimate. Are you seeing this in general, or are you saying this as Jeffrey? You think Jeffrey's did a poor job I'm shopping? Saying, this? I'm saying if if you in the in the process of it suspect that okay. it's moving the price. Because I, I, I one of my takeaways from this article is I thought Jeffrey's did a great job. You know, they were calling every big fund on Wall Street for weeks without mm-hmm. the, without it leaking out that Icon got uh, Icon was looking to sell. So I actually think they did a tremendous job, and they they put together a big syndicate mm-hmm. to buy his bot to buy his block of shares. No, it was at a huge discount to the price, but they found a syndicate. Icon said no, but they managed to do all that and it didn't leak that he was looking at it till I think after he said no. So I would say they actually did a really good job, but completely agree. If a stock's down 10% and you want it to sell, you know, if a stock goes from 50 to 40 and you want to sell at 50, you might want to buy at 40. And if it's selling because people are trying to interpret what you're doing, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, being price sensitive in all things. Cool. Okay. So let's move on to big biotech premium. So I think what's uh, kind of causing us to talk about this is yesterday, Allergan announced the deal to acquire Tobira, I believe it is, for $28.35 per share, plus another almost $50 per share in a CVR if the drug hits some certain milestones. And a CVR is a contingent value, right? They're, they're complicated, but basically it says, hey, we're buying you for this drug. If the drug is approved by the FDA, we will pay you an additional X dollars per share. Uh, so why are we discussing this? Well, it was a very strange deal for a couple of reasons. First, you know, share price of tr- cash value of $28, CVR of $50. Very rare to see a CVR dwarf the actual cash value of a deal. This is almost 2x. Normally you'll see something like, hey, we'll pay you $20 per share plus another two in a CVR if your drug pays off. But the, the other big reason is this was a massive premium. Shares were trading for about $5 per share the day before. So just the cash component alone is worth almost 6x the prior day, prior day's close. If they end up paying out all the CVR, it'll be almost a 15x from one day before price. Uh, just the cash component alone is actually the biggest premium ever paid in biopharma. And this comes a week after Allergan announced another deal to acquire Vite for about 160% premium which in and of itself is now the ninth largest premium ever paid in biofarm. And it just continues the trends of massive premiums in the biotech world. In addition to those Allergan deals last week, Horizon acquired Raptor for a big premium of 20 to 30% the previous day's price, 60 to 70% above the price uh, the day before news broke they were considering a sale. We mentioned Pfizer uh, Medivation on this podcast a couple times. That was about 2x the price where Medivation was trading the day before Sanofi made a hostile offer. Last time we talked about that was on our May 31st podcast. So Chris, I'll turn it over to you. What's going on here? Why are companies paying such big multiples? And is this going to work out well for the companies that are paying big multiples? You know, I'm often a skeptic of M&A premiums from the buyer's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, from the 
target's perspective, often as a target shareholder, I, I love them. I like, like nothing more than overpaying. Yeah. Anything I'm selling, anything in my portfolio right now, I will admit it. I will sell it to anyone who wants to for a 400% there, premium there's no price. There's anyone. no price too high. Uh, but um, I would actually say in this case, I am not a skeptic. I'm a skeptic of the market's discounting mechanism for the standalone companies. I would say that what these deals allow, especially what the CBRs allow, is to separate the questions of who should get compensated from who is the best owner operator. Mm-hmm. I would also say, like you just said, anything in your portfolio uh, would sell for a massive premium. I'd also say anything that I own and operate, I'm happy to sell to the right person to own and operate it. Now, I would like to contractually have, uh, be uh, remunerated, certainly, uh, paid uh, properly, if not overpaid. Uh, but um, but uh, it still leaves me open to situations where these large companies, there's huge barriers to entry, there's huge regulatory compliance costs, mm-hmm. there's huge costs to sales and marketing, there's huge costs to the development process. These are only done at massive scales. And so you have these small companies because you have the development people. They want the ups. Fine. They're these huge companies. They're the right ones to own it. These deals are the solution. I'm a skeptic of the market discounting them correctly as standalone companies. Yeah. And look, I think there are a couple things that suggest you're right. A lot of these companies, you can look in the proxy statement, see the background. And these companies are people are. Big Pharma are throwing themselves to pay these multiples yeah. at it. So it's not just allergens paying big premiums. It's everyone wants to buy these things. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of times I bid 37, someone else beats me with 39. So everyone's got kind of the same value. I'm completely with you that I think this is Big Pharma taking advantage of depressed prices for biotechs. Do you want to go into it or you want me to go? Here, here's what I think happened. Um, I think that there was this wave of M&A. And it was beaten down for some very specific reasons, mm-hmm. such as the U.S. Treasury Department's attack on inversions. Yep. Well, there are uh, three dozen reasons I could think of to buy some of these companies. And one just got bashed in and it got all of the attention and it kind of temporarily disrupted that set of deals. Once they had been fully disruptive disrupted you were left with three dozen minus one reasons to buy them and now that process is starting up again Look, in earnest. I, I think that's a great point 2014 was a banner year for healthcare m a and then 2015 it all kind of it started to fall off towards the end of the year because of the inversions you're talking about valiance blow up which we've discussed on this podcast political and, attacks uh, and political attacks and the m a market basically had been shut down this year uh year to date there have been 37 biotech deals worth greater than 100 million versus 102 at this point last year. And I think Big Pharma is sitting there looking, hey, we're not growing much. We've got great balance sheets. We can borrow at very low interest rates. And we've got these giant sales forces. And the biotech index is down 12% year to date. We can go buy people with all this cash. We can go buy some growth with cheap debt. And then we can push it through our sales force and realize huge synergies. So uh, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I think small biotech is realizing, hey, the market's not going to give us the multiple that our assets are worth. Now's the time to go look to sell ourselves and realize that value. Go ahead. Um, I, th- that That's uh, it for me on that. I was wondering if you'd like to turn a little more specifically to the CBR uh, issue. I had some thoughts on that. I don't know if that's uh, of interest. We've got about 30 seconds. If oh. you want to talk CBR, go ahead. Okay. In, in, in short... Uh, you know, I think that it is a great way to close bid-ask spreads. Yeah. Historically, it's been a active part of the conversation 
during deal talks. It can be a placeholder, but then more and more it actually gets into the contract. Uh, it can be tax efficient. It looks good on the accounting. It lets the early insiders of the target keep a lot of the ups in a way that works well uh, for everybody. I think we're going to see more and more of these. Yeah, look, it, it, it's perfect too because a lot of things like if you have a rocket ship and there's a 50-50 chance of it taking off successfully and if it takes off successfully, it's worth $2 billion, and if it doesn't, it's worth zero. You can never sell yourself while that coin flip is in the air. If you bridge that gap with a CVR, you can sell the rest of the business. So it makes all the sense in the world to deal with uncertainty like that. Go ahead. The last thing I'd say about it is that any investor should know it's like buying an option. It inherently represents a controversial part of the deal. If it wasn't controversial, they would cash it out. So you have to live with the fact that in a high percentage of these, they are worth nothing. Yep. And it's interesting too, because it's complete binary risk, right? Like the FDA approving one drug has nothing to do with what the economy is doing in six months, 12 months, 18 months. Uh, great. So we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, I'll give a quick preview of Friday's chat. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Wells Fargo and Mylan since both of them were up on Congressional Hill. Particularly, let's we'll think of a little bit about what Warren Buffett is doing with Wells Fargo. Uh, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about Viacom as well. That's been in the news a lot. So that'll be Friday's chat, but that's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. Disclosures. Unfortunately, Chris, I don't believe either of us were long any Tobira, so we didn't get any of that 5 to 15x premium. But uh, sadly, I, I have nothing sadly, to do no. no, you see those deals and you wake up and you're like, why couldn't I just own 100 shares? But uh, no disclosures there. I don't think we're long anything else we talked about today. Nope. Great. So that's it. And we will talk to you on Friday.